0: This week, John and Eric from Racktop Systems join us for our feature interview. John Strand makes a triumphant return to Enterprise Security Weekly after being on the road for several months in a row, it feels like. Uh in the security news this week, uh, we're go Enterprise Security News, we're gonna talk about malware bytes, last line, duo security, firemon, veronis, in off, and more. So stay tuned for this edition of Enterprise Security Weekly. <laughs> this is security weekly for security professionals by security professionals broadcasting live from g-unit studios in rhode island it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names it's enterprise security weekly
1: i'm a tiger hi everybody welcome to enterprise security weekly I don't know how this is going to go because Paul's not here this week, but we're just going to give it a shot. If
0: Even if you've got experience in security, you you can benefit from going somewhere, somewhere and learning th- about that bug again. Wearing my tactical turtleneck just for Mr. John
1: Strand, who is on the lines via Skype. John, welcome to the program. I'm wearing the uh, tactical fleece as well, Paul. This is Excellent. a fully, completely and utterly tactical show.
0: Improve the efficiency and effectiveness of your security operations with DF Labs Security Orchestration, Automation and Response technology. Automate threat containment, orchestrate incident response, and measure operational performance with DF Labs IncMan SOAR platform. Leverage your current security resources to minimize incident resolution time, maximize analyst efficiency, increase the number of incidents handled, and reduce overall risk. IncMan SOAR acts as a force multiplier, enabling your security team to do more with less. Streamline the full incident response life cycle automation process today. Keep your cybersecurity incidents under control with DF Labs. Visit dflabs.com forward slash security weekly and request to see Inc SOAR live in action. Are you an enterprise dissatisfied with overpriced analytics software that can't keep up with modern data? If so, then Gravwell is the solution for you. Gravwell is an unstructured data analytics platform for enterprises who demand total data visibility across their network. Gravwell lets your security team go beyond the SIM and fuse data sources to correlate and answer questions you didn't know needed to be asked. Go to gravwell.io forward slash securityweekly for an unlimited data trial and gain uncompromising visibility today. Stop attackers from domain credential theft and lateral movement with a 99% success rate by using artificial intelligence to control the attacker's perception of the environment. Javelin Networks is the world's first endpoint intrusion containment platform to protect domain networks. Javelin detects targeted attacks and breaches by obfuscating Active Directory, domain controllers, domain identities, domain credentials, and all domain resources. It only takes one compromised machine to jeopardize the entire organization. Don't be a victim. Visit javelin-networks.com and request a demo of AD Protect today. Are you worried about PCI compliance? Does your development team understand or care about security? Are you ready to face a breach of your customer-sensitive data? See the worst that can happen before it does. Black Hills Information Security can help you help management see the future. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to find out how a web application penetration test can mitigate the risk before you go live welcome everyone to this edition episode 93 of enterprise security weekly for wednesday may 30th 2018 i'm your host paul Asadorian coming at you live from g unit studios on the lines via skype from his home in south dakota or at least one of his offices in south dakota mr john strand is here with us john welcome
1: hey thank you for having me on i uh, came from a lot of travel i got my b sides charm shirt from baltimore because that was an awesome conference and I decided I'm doing the uh, the show today from our intern bay, and I find things like this in the intern bay, where it's this <laughs> nice little poster that says, nobody cares, existence is meaningless, and uh, uh, also whatever the hell this thing is. <laughs> That's <don't>, super creepy. <laughs> but it is, is unbelievably creepy, but I think what it does show is that morale is in fact high at Black Hills Information Security.
0: That looks like the doll, like you have to put that on your desk if you make a mistake. Kind of thing. I was just at a company like where that. that was like a brick. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, That that looks like something like that.
1: <laughs> very, very accurate.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, in fact, just one. Uh, speaking of conferences, as John was just talking about some conferences that he's attended recently, uh, ticket sales are now open for the Social Engineering Rhode Island Conference that is happening on June 16th in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, actually, uh, on the Salve Regina campus. And that is se-ri.org. I will be presenting, as well as Chris Hadnagy, April Wright, and others. It's definitely a conference you want to check out. I mean, you get to come to Newport, Rhode Island in June. I mean, what's better than that? It's beautiful that time of year. So make sure you go to se-ri.org. We're also giving away two free tickets to se-ri, And all you have to do is send a meme of myself and Larry Pesce. It, it can include other people, but it has to include myself and Larry Pache, submit that meme, email it to us at psw at and we'll be holding some type of raffle or, or judge uh, the entries on a very scientific level to determine the best meme that was sent to us with, with Paul and Larry, and then the winner, winner will receive those two tickets so you can take yourself and a friend or significant other. Because who doesn't want to come to Newport in, in the summer? Anyway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Our feature interview for today, I'd like to introduce uh, Eric Bednash and Jonathan Halstutch. Did I say that right? Yep. <sighs> have me sweating the, the pronunciation. <laughs> uh, so, Eric is the CEO and co founder of Racktop Systems, and John is the Chief Technology Officer and co founder of Racktop Systems. Welcome, guys, to the studio. Thanks for having us. It's wonderful to have you here. Um, I wanted to just start off with a, a little bit about your backgrounds and, and kind of how you came to, to found. Uh, Racktop Systems. So I'll go first. John, you go first because we did an interview (laughs) uh, for Business Security Weekly. So
2: So I'm Jonathan Halsuch. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Racktop and I actually met Eric when we were working on kind of the customer side of data and data security. And we kind of just felt a lot of times that the solutions out there were good, but they were pretty complicated. Often took a lot of work to get them implemented. It was hard to get them implemented correctly. And so we wanted to come up with a solution that was easy to use, was easy to um, consume, and that was an enjoyable experience for the for the customer. And so I liked the idea of of building a company and a product company that could could scale. And so I teamed up with Eric based on our previous experience, having a lot of success working on projects together. Um, on the customer side of the table, and uh, so far it's been a great, great journey.
0: Awesome, awesome. Oh, I don't think Eric's mic is live for some reason. Uh, talk again, Eric. Hold on, I have a. a tech. Oh wait, try so, to. Eat.
3: So that's why I didn't answer. There before. you go. I was talking. You didn't hear me. That, that was an awesome really cool. answer, <laughs>
0: Eric. Thanks, so, thanks for that.
3: And that's uh, that's about all I have to say about that. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> So, uh, you know, started my career in the um, uh, commercial sector, uh, spent a big chunk in the uh, DOD intelligence world for a while. And, uh, you know, as Jonathan mentioned, uh, you know, we had worked together and spent a lot of time on the customer side, uh, pulling together different technologies um, and dealing with the challenges associated with, with that and uh, the amount of people and teams it took to implement those solutions. And, you know, really when we found a rack top, really uh, our vision was to, to build something that was easy, it can be implemented uh, quickly and easily, and uh, and solve the problem, and and here you go. That's where we are today.
0: And it's all about the data, right? And just to give our our listeners and John some of the background, right? I mean, really, the problem is you're trying to protect your data, and what better place to do that than where the data lives, essentially.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah, because I mean, people do all these other things. You know, you're protecting your network, you're protecting your endpoint devices, but essentially, the reason you're doing all that is so that nobody's manipulating, stealing, or destroying the data you have.
0: Right. And uh, just to give our listeners some background, it can be hardware. So you can purchase the storage solution from you, or it can be software. And it also integrates with the cloud and other storage uh, devices as well. Correct.
2: Right. That's correct. It's kind of a it creates an ecosystem. And so the secret sauce and what we've developed is the software that runs on top of x86 you know commodity hardware using um, high performance drives, flash, whatever. But then we have a management framework that allows you to move the data between systems and also move data to the cloud so that you can protect the data wherever it lives, whether it's on-premises in a NAS type solution you would put in your own data center Mm -hmm. or as you're moving data to the cloud.
0: And so one of the things that uh, it comes up in a lot of discussions about enterprise uh, security solutions is I, I end up and uh, John? I know you do this probably in some of your AINs calls and talks and Sans teaching, right? Is a lot of it is the underpinnings are well. You have to know like what data you have and where it lives, the sensitivity levels of those data of that data, um, and then who has access to that data and, and who doesn't. And so many organizations just aren't even close to right. being able to answer those questions. And when I was learning about your solution, I was like, wow, that can really help. With that problem of course you have to do some data discovery and defining things on your own but actually implementing it is basically what your solution is is allowing at a very high level correct
2: exactly so it's a very quick time to value it's very easy that once you put your data on the system you can quickly discover where you have data the staleness of the data and the sensitivity of the data so you know traditionally when we're going and talking to a customer and they're interested in you know purchasing storage just for the purposes of storage it's hard for them to even say how much storage they need because they don't actually have a good comprehension of where they have data and how much of the storage they have they're utilizing because it's all these different silos. What we're trying to do is even if you have multiple systems or you have the cloud and on-premise, giving you one single pane of glass to see all that and then making it easy to discover where your data is, how it's being used, how often it's being accessed and who it's being accessed by. And not just giving you kind of static reports, which is traditionally what you see in solutions, but an interactive interface that you can see who has access to this data. And if you discover right there through one of the compliance reports, there's a problem. You can remove access for that user right away versus kind of these static Excel spreadsheets that even we had to use previously because there weren't tools that were interactive and kind of acted you know, we're part of this solution. So we tried to build all that into the solution rather than also have to cobble together multiple different pieces of software and packages to create
0: that view. Yeah. It, so does it go ahead, John?
1: Does it also incorporate any kind of like user behavioral analytics where if somebody is trying to overuse their account or an account is being abused, trying to pull down tons of data that they don't normally do, does it have that type of alerting built into it as well? Because right now that type of analysis on file servers just is really lacking across most enterprises.
0: And I was going to ask the same exact question. Like, So when John's team breaks into a company and takes over an account and accesses more data than usual, right. you, you flag that, right?
3: Yeah, so um, we have a, a user behavior uh, engine that's collecting um, you know, how users are accessing data. So uh, what they're doing, uh, how they're doing it, at the times of day they're doing it, and the, and the patterns that they're using to, to, to access that data. Um, And so uh, you get a very clear fingerprint of kind of how uh, a user uh, interacts on a day-to-day basis, right? It becomes very clear, um, you know, when someone or something is doing something that's normal or abnormal. And, uh, And so we can bring those protections directly into the data system, but then also feed that data out to uh other systems and and complete that that security ecosystem that you'd actually be able to stop uh you know uh, data exfiltration or or something that exhibited an, an out of the norm you know behavior
0: and and what I like about that is it hits some some of the insider threat concerns as well as an external threat actor correct
2: exactly because there's a lot of factors that you can tie in to determine if it's abnormal behavior things like hey, this user doesn't normally access it from these locations, so mm-hmm. maybe it's a compromised machine or account. You can also tie it to the sensitivity or types of data too, right? Because you, know, I, you might be, a lot of times they'll talk about, oh, they're downloading an unusually high number or volume of data. That may be a big deal, but it might just be they're looking at a lot of images and graphics, whereas a small, very sensitive spreadsheet, Mm -hmm. you want it to trigger on sooner than those. And so being dynamic and analytical about that and tying multiple factors in gives you a better, higher fidelity um, uh, metric to determine if if there is a true threat. And it does work both for the insider threat, like the known credentialed user, as well as the malicious attacker that's compromised an account or is trying to hack in. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it almost doesn't need to make the distinction, right? right? It's basically based on the user's behavior, whether that account is compromised or not.
2: Right, and you could do, because that's a, a real big challenge too, is like the slow, stealthy leaks. Mm-hmm. Those are harder to detect in a normal, just looking at traffic patterns. But something like this, you would be able to determine that because of the abnormality of where, the direction of traffic and how it's being accessed.
0: And then you also allow users to control how the data is shared. And that's, that's been a big headline recently. right, right? And, and it's a very common occurrence. I mean, even in our small company, we like, oh, we're working with this new company and now we have to share data. And how do we do that securely? And then how do we put limits around that? And that those could be time-based limits. Those could be any number of different kinds of limits. And your solution provides a facility to do that.
2: Right. I think the first thing everyone wants to be able to handle is kind of least privileged access, right? You want to be able to make sure that only the people that really need to see this have the access to it. And then building in workflows so that a user can grant access for a temporary or permanent case to the person that's doing that and right. it can be re- reviewed and then later on it can also be audited to see yes these people had privilege to it and did they actually see it which also is, is, a, is a big part of uh, legal discovery type cases where yes. you want to only share as, as the minimum amount of data that you need to
0: one use case that I was considering is uh, in the security vendor space and I'm sure it's like this in every industry right there's a price list floating around somewhere like everyone having you guys have right you know have a priceless of what you charge right and you don't want your competitors i mean you know it's probably going to leave but you want to control it as tightly as you can and be able to educate and provision access to that because when it's a price sheet i mean lots of people are going to need internally need access to that maybe some permanently maybe some temporarily but is is that a good use case do you see stuff like that
3: yeah, well, I mean, with our price list, we have to use an algorithm to figure it out. So <laughs> yeah. we obfuscate all the data. There you go. Uh, so you never know. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's any it's any data really that's um, you know that's uh, relevant to the organization, uh, you know, and, and whether it be price list or whether it be you know something is uh, like uh, you know customer records or personally identifiable information, right? The 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 risk associated with that data um, getting into the wrong hands. Uh, or you know being exposed, uh, you know through a breach or something of that matter, um, you know it's that that all kind of goes into that into that same bucket of of what you're really trying to prevent, um, you know, and protect from an enterprise perspective. And so you know I think that um, you know all of the controls around the data are really for that reason, right? It goes back to uh, you know the originals. We want to protect the data where it lives, right? And so we spend a lot of time looking at data from the outside in. Are um, looking at security from the outside in, right? Uh, but by putting those controls, um, and not just from a restriction perspective, but also from a reporting and awareness perspective, as close to the data as possible, you know, helps helps you achieve those those goals and those protections, so that you know, uh, things like you know, price list or PII doesn't sort of end up so, in the wrong hands.
1: And that gets into kind of an interesting question, a much larger question: Why is it that you think? So much focus in this industry has been on malware and the endpoint, and very 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 few products actually stand up in the space of actually trying to get into this data protection aside from like your standard encryption tools. Uh, why do you think that this has been so long for the industry to actually start looking at it in a more serious way
3: yeah i 'll take the first crack at this one there's I think that um, you know people sort of think about how what's the easiest path for malware to uh, sort of get into the enterprise right and it's through the through the end user um, and uh, and so I think that you know there's been a lot of focus trying to you know protect you know somebody's endpoint device from leaking something uh, into the network but I, I kind of think that falls short in a lot of ways because um, there's you know it, it's inevitable that something is going to find its way in you know you have a you know, an APT or something's going to somehow, you know, someone's going to plug their laptop in and it's going to go nuts and steal. The, I mean, that'd be super obvious to spot, right? It's going to be something that's a lot more stealthy. Uh, and the only way you could address that stuff is if you um, have something that is sort of continually able to look at this uh, from a different, different perspective. Um, but I just think that, you know, sort of the security industry by nature has sort of you know, address this problem. You know, if you look at firewalls and then IPS, IDS, it's kind of like work its way in, and and the endpoint is is you know is kind of that uh, that natural progression. And um, but you know, you kind of hit hit a space there where it doesn't, it can't be any more effective uh, unless you have something coming from the inside out. And so uh, I think that we're, uh, you know, there's enough awareness and compliance and, and um, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, GDPR and it's a big deal this week, of course, and um, you have regulation and increased security and increased awareness from the enterprise perspective. And uh, there, there's a change in thinking there and there also has to be a change in thinking of, of sort of how you solve these problems. And, and I think we're well, you know, starting to see that
1: and how it but you do start to see that though. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why I'm harping on this is it seems like every single sh- episode of the show there's a new endpoint security product out there that has a new variation of artificial intelligence or some type of magic sauce. And it seems like when we're talking about investment and capital it seems like a lot of like investment firms are willing to write a tremendous amount of checks to these firms because I think that they get that uh, but I don't see a tremendous amount of traction outside of like four or five endpoint security vendors. Now, when you're talking to customers, do you think that light has finally started going off on mul- on many customers that actually protection, protection and monitoring of data as it flows throughout their network is something that they should have been focusing on for a long time? Or are you still kind of facing an up an uphill battle with the awareness side of it?
2: I think that it's starting. They're starting to get they're starting to realize that, hey, that's a better approach. I think a lot of why you also see that you see all these endpoint solutions is more of a a lot of the form factor that, okay, in the past, all the money or the budget was allocated to the desktop people. And so they target those groups and organizations that have the money and the budget. You'll see a lot of the companies try to align against where they think they're going to get the customer to pay for a product. And so it might not be the right approach, but these companies still go after it. And I think now you're starting to see that change. Um, what we're seeing is the need for global collaboration with security and, th- and people are trying to figure out how to do that. And you have things like Dropbox or these file syncing shares and people realize, okay, we can't use endpoint security. That's It's not effective. It's not going to solve the problems. Now, do you still need virus protection and malware protection? Yeah. But all this other stuff has to be protected from a different location and the realization that centralizing data and putting your arms around the sensitive data and discovering where your sensitive intellectual property or PII or whatever you're protecting is, is in an area that you can put your hands around it. So we're definitely seeing the shift in the architecture and the, the realization that an alternate approach is required.
0: Cool. Yeah. And I think IT teams struggle to build a solution that's easy to use as in, in nice as Dropbox. But that's what they're up against today. And now you've provided some facilities in your solution to allow IT teams to, I think, catch up to the technology today to give the user a good experience, but also be secure as well.
2: Right, because I think (laughs) being on the customer side and running IT departments where you're doing end-user services... It's, you're the you're made out to be the bad guy. You're not letting right. the user share data on Dropbox or put it on some, some facility that would be easy for them to share files. And so what we've done is developed a way that you can share data securely in a way that you can audit directly from our storage over the web to people that you want to authorize. And the value of that is you don't have to copy the data or move the data outside your firewall. Mm-hmm. So you know where the data is. You can audit who's access to just like they were if they were local. And it's very easy to control and turn off when you need to. Once you start to have data leave your control, or even if it's in, you know, cloud's fine, but you have to, it has to kind of be within your control, even if it's in a cloud. Once it starts to get out of there, or if a user kind of starts to use shadow IT, you have no idea what's been exposed. And we've seen customers, you know, try to go find out was this data leaked, or was it, mm-hmm. you know, improperly shared? And usually, it has been. And and it's just somebody that they they they're not um, they don't have any bad intentions, but they're trying to get things done quickly. And so, you know, it's not always the fastest path. We want to try to make the most secure path, the most the fastest path, and that's our kind of vision and goal. But sometimes it takes a little bit more effort than you know just putting it on Dropbox and sharing it.
0: Yeah, but it, you know, and I think that is the culture of no that it will bite us every single time because yeah. while mm-hmm. you might block dropbox like there's a million other ways to share a file <laughs> now there's millions of other services that you can right you can share files so rather than and there are companies that are looking at your you know cloud uh computing or, or SaaS usage but i feel like there's always going to be the next thing that's not as effective as just saying well i'm going to provide my users with a, a a way to share it right and that's not always necessarily secure, but your monitoring point is really where you need to be because you can control it to a certain and, and audit it, right? Right. Exactly. So
2: it becomes kind of the single source of record. You can see what's happening and turn it on, and it's within your control. So it's very easy to share files. It's very easy for customers or a client to share files with you, and it's coming to that central place where you are able to apply your standard policies for protectioning, versioning, snapshots, um, all that information that you would share. You know. It's, it's one way to do it. You don't, don't have to have multiple tools or multiple ways to think about protecting your data.
0: Well, and I think with, with GDPR as well and likely future compliance and, and privacy guidelines, keeping your data in the least amount of places possible makes it easier for you as an organization to be in compliance.
2: Right, because when they say you need to destroy this data now, you
0: got to go look at 20 <laughs> right? places it, or what? Where is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. John, more questions? Nope, I'm good. Um, talk about in, encryption. Because I was curious how that plays into your solution. How do you provide users uh, to work encryption into into this whole picture?
3: So, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, encryption is, is kind of becoming uh, like the first security checkbox when it comes to, right, uh, data. Uh, and in our case, data storage, um, you know, it kind of becomes the new baseline uh, and it's it's a good i mean that's a good baseline to have right um it's not the only thing but it's the uh you know it's it's sort of that um foundational component right and so uh in some instances you have i mean you have two levels of encryption right depending on what, what what kind of data uh you're protecting and uh in what environments um but uh but we kind of look at uh you know uh, the data security with you know in, in three different layers. So it's like the the storage component and, and encryption is tied into there, and then there's uh, reporting, which is sort of the proof. Right, you have to know. You have to know, um, be able to report on what you're doing. You have to be able to prove it from a compliance uh, just from, and just from a risk uh, perspective, right? You have in, to have an our, understanding.
0: At that hardware level, is that in case someone steals your storage array primarily or is there other like unauthorized access that yeah, encryption it, can? Yeah, it,
3: it's both, right? And so I think the, uh, you know, initially it could be, uh, I, you know, somebody walks away with disks and, you know, sometimes you're like, it's in the data center. What's the probability of that happening? Um, and sure, you um, in those instances it may be lower, but there are a lot of instances, um, you know, if you think about uh, you know, a, a, a movie shoot and a non location shoot, right? You think about all of that data from multiple, you know, four K, eight K cameras mm-hmm. um, streaming in. That's, I mean, that's probably not going on a little portable drive. And in, right. even if it was, again, that, that there's a big risk there, right? A whole day, uh, whole day's worth of uh, footage, right? And so all of that's coming into systems and then has to go someplace. Um, and you're probably not pushing that over a wire because you're on location, right? Physical disks have to move. Encryption's very important there. I
0: swap a drive out, that old drive. Yeah. Still could be real, and it depends on your adversary, right? Exactly, right. Because
3: right. yeah. you think about, it, I mean, people steal movies over the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, well, it's just as easy to go, you know, physically grab disk. Or just, I mean, so there's a there's a lot of scenarios. So I think uh, you know, physical security definitely has a has a role to play uh, in protecting the, the data there. But then when you sort of take it up another level, and then you, you're able to secure data based on. Um, you know, let's say customer in a multi-tenant environment, right? So you can sort of live in this this multi-tenant environment and, and everybody kind of has their own, um, you know, additional security controls around that data from the encryption perspective. Uh, and then even from multiple levels of security, right? So if you have different environments that, um, you know, maybe it's not different people, but it's different uh, programs or projects that you had to protect from each other again. So you can you sort of can layer on different layers of encryption. Um, but but that i kind of that's really like the foundational layer of things and i think mm-hmm. that if you do you you have to do encryption then you have to be able to report on it and then you also have to be able to control access and you got to combine those three things together to really uh you know obtain the level of security um and you know we sort of focus on doing all of those really easily
0: mm. so you can encrypt based on a a user or user group and so their data is encrypted with a different key than So like if I got and I'm thinking in the case of like large software company Microsoft or whatever right they've got a group they're working on a very like super secret project sure you want to control access but also encrypt it so that if it does get out no one else can read it right Right. so you have like a data set level of encryption which would be a folder
2: and that could be a specific key and we can Mm -hmm. support a bring your own key type model or you have the 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 pool which would be at the hardware level that we're encrypting there Um, and then we're of course encrypting data in motion so as it's traversing the wire it's encrypted as well
0: mm. that's awesome that's awesome um and uh, anything else that you guys wanted to talk about features that you wanted to to highlight that i might have missed so far
3: um you know well again we talked about sort of uh you know our, our vision and what we've we put together is um you know kind of completing that that security ecosystem uh, by putting uh, you know security and compliance as close to the data as possible so you have you know as we talked about the endpoint right so what's at, what's at the endpoint um, what's at the uh, perimeter um, and then what's at the data and and you know as you think about um, how we're going to solve from an enterprise perspective uh, the challenges that we face uh, moving forward into the next 5 to 10 years um, you know the the security threats they're they're getting uh, more advanced um they're they're getting you know stealthier and it, 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 there's no one solution right you're there's no magic pill there's no you know there's uh you know there's a, a NIST cybersecurity framework five functional areas for a reason you have to do a lot of different things it's going to be process you have to have your people tied in and then you have to have technology not one technology but multiple technologies working together to solve this problem and and so um I, you know it's kind of that 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 big vision in, in the role that we play uh, within that by putting the the protections directly in the data um you know you know we feel is really going to you know enable enterprises to get there to get to where they need to be in the future.
2: I think the other big thing that makes it more secure is basically automation and policy driven type behavior so you know, it's always the 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 person usually ends up being the weak. Like they either set it up right. incorrectly or they're
0: fooled into doing something they shouldn't do. Easier to use for the user, which right. means less mistakes, which means a better data security yeah. policy. Exactly. And so,
2: the UI really makes it very easy for an end user or anybody to just kind of tell the system what they want to do, and the system does it automatically based on the policies set by IT. And that's so not an
0: easy thing to accomplish. Certainly. <laughs> I mean, I've been around software my whole life, right? <laughs> like, it's one thing to create it. It's another thing to make it so that people can actually use it. So, and obviously you've spent a lot of R&D time on that.
2: So. Right, yeah, that's our focus, right? Yeah. So it's kind of you know, centralized governance with end-user self-service. And so the users can do what they want to do, but it's meeting the security policies mm-hmm. and compliance framework so that the end result is... The, the organization gets
0: what they want and it's not 800 tickets you know every month to the help desk to say oh i need access to that data right. i need access to that data right right because yeah.
3: that's a, no help desk wants to do those right, t- right. if it's <laughs> not easy it's not going to work right Mm-mm. it's not going to work for the enterprise so. that's awesome
0: yeah. uh, do my last question uh active directory integration i think we talked about that when we did uh met before this interview just talk to our audience we're always talking about active directory mm-hmm and the lack of security controls uh, and lack of security in general in Active Directory, how do you integrate and help on that front?
3: Yeah, so we we integrate with Active Directory um, and so that, you know, we can tie into the enterprise directory structure uh, and then leverage the information that's in there. So if you just take it at 10,000 feet, you know, we're able to uh, utilize that same infrastructure, uh, both from a um, a data access control perspective and from an API management perspective, right? So everything's unified uh, and then, you know, our... As Jonathan mentioned, making it easy, single pane of glass, um, administrative so, Eric, software, so yeah.
0: protection as well. We didn't really talk about that. Yeah. In other words, John's team gets in; users are doing funny things. I can turn off their access to the data.
3: Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did I, we gloss over that? I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know. I thought they did mention it though. Sure. That,
0: yeah, we we might have, but that I mean that's an awesome an awesome feature, and often lacking right in yeah. monitoring and auditing tools. We talk about SIM and you know, all these other tools, but being able to say. Uh, activate that protection or disable someone's access right
3: break. or it's someone accessed the data and you know this is the first time they've logged in in like six months and mm-hmm. you know now they're touching everything and there's right i right. mean so the indicator something something's yeah, yeah. not
2: right yeah and if you go back to those end user behavior analytics instead of this kind of follow-up later look at the logs passively we're directly active in inline defense and so it, if somebody's an active user and they exceed those thresholds, and the analytics tools shut off their access, they can call up because they're an authorized user and say, "Hey, it's really me. Can you restore my access? Quick I investigation, you get them back on. Mm-hmm. But you've stopped them. If it was a a bad actor, they're probably not going to call the help, help desk, desk. <laughs> right? right. <laughs> They might, but for different reasons. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I think the other part is the cyber resiliency. Assuming you are going to get hit eventually, mm-hmm. how easily is it to recover from something like a malware ransomware attack? And because you have all these policy-driven snapshots, you can quickly go back to a previous version and before the ransomware hit you, and you're back up and running in a couple of minutes. So it, it's a quick, resilient
0: um, feature as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and you can find out more information at racktopsystems.com and schedule a, a demo, right? Yes, that'd be uh, cool. great with sales team so reach out, make sure you do that if you're interested. Thank you very much Eric and John. With that we'll take a short <laughs> break, come back with the security news this week, stay tuned.